Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Kantar and Said Business School, University of Oxford. In each episode, we speak to industry experts about the changing landscape of marketing, sharing evidence and inspiration for the future. Hi, I'm Mark Visser. I'm Managing Director at Kantar of the consulting team in Amsterdam. I'm Andrew Stephen, the L'Oreal Professor of Marketing at the Side Business School at the University of Oxford. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking with Stefan Gans, who's the Chief Insights and Analytics Officer at PepsiCo. We're going to talk about insights. We're going to talk about the capabilities and skills that insights organizations need to have to get us ready for not only dealing with today's challenges, but certainly whatever opportunities and challenges come to organizations into the future. Before we dive into all of those pretty serious and meaty topics, though, Stefan, welcome to Future Proof. And maybe you can kick us off with telling us just a bit about your background and and what's led you to being the Chief Insights and Analytics Officer at such a massive global corporation such as PepsiCo. Thanks, Andrew. Great to be here. First of all, I'm a Dutchman. I grew up in the Netherlands and uh, went to university in Amsterdam. Then um, just joined the biggest company that I knew, which was Unilever, and joined them in finance, which took me three weeks to figure out that that was not for me, and then three years to get out of, and then uh, subsequently spent 15 years with Unilever in marketing. Then um, joined a few other people to basically build uh, build a consultancy called Effector Brands, which about 10 years later became part of Cantor. After helping to build Effector Brands, I briefly joined Interbrand in a global capability role and four and a half years ago joined PepsiCo. Based in the States, actually I've been living in the States now for the last 13 years on the East Coast. Our global head office is in is in Purchase, New York. So that's my path to purchase as we sometimes say within PepsiCo. Hey Steph, you, you've been, uh, you have quite an atypical profile for an insights leader and you've led a very successful transformation of insights at PepsiCo, which we surely will hear more in the podcast, but I'm just wondering what lessons should 
other organizations draw from your profile in terms of what it takes to win these days with insights and what sort of insights either you should be looking for? Thanks, Mark. And thanks for, for, for calling me atypical. I like to be atypical, I guess, but I, I, I think you're right. And I think every specific opportunity, every specific challenge requires its own ideal profile of a leader, I guess. But what I believe in, certainly for global functional roles like mine in a matrix organization like PepsiCo is, and basically like every large global organization is these days, I think many companies often make the mistake to to basically make the best surgeon head of surgery. And I think when you look at people's talents, but arguably as importantly, people's interests, I think you should let the best surgeon do surgery (laughs) because that is what she or he is best at. Uh, and that is also where she or he gets the most energy from. And so I, I use it as a, let's say, as a metaphor. I'm most certainly not the best surgeon when it comes to consumer insights in PepsiCo, right? I have a background as a marketeer and as a consultant. What I think I can do quite well is put myself in the shoes of our internal partners, which are largely marketers and R&D colleagues and adjacent functions. I have a natural drive for curiosity and I'm generally interested in what motivates and drives people. That is, I think, something that everybody who works in consumer insights needs to have. But my background as a consultant has really honed my skills in transformation and in in, in really thinking through what it takes. And then finally, (laughs) during my time as a consultant, I was an entrepreneur as well, which is a very, very useful experience, I find. That may sound a little contradictory, but but in PepsiCo's culture, I think that serves me very well every day. The way I, um, well, I lead my function, but also the way we, we structure our change initiatives. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the change initiatives and the transformation that you've been leading uh, at PepsiCo around insights and how you've brought those different points of view and and skill sets from your experience that you describe, right? As a marketer, as a brand person, as a consultant, as an entrepreneur, how you've brought that into an insights organization that's being transformed in a transforming company and a transforming industry, quite frankly. So how does that then all come into reality, I suppose? Look, the the vast majority of the talented people that work in consumer insights in PepsiCo don't really report directly to me. Uh, The vast majority of those people, roughly 75% or so of them, are embedded in business units and teams uh, around the globe. So the way we need to drive change collectively is by building up coalitions, right? It all starts for me with what we call the Global Insights Council, which is a team of insights leaders from across the businesses and across the world with which we set the priorities and we, and we drive the big change agenda. We drive the big initiatives and of course we share best practice and we, we talk about uh, talent. But that global agenda is really focused on two key things, tools and talent, basically, right? That's where the key focus is. And I think what we did well in the very beginning is basically uh, creating a a set of priorities of those capabilities that the function really needed to deliver what the business needed. And those capabilities we focused on in a way that really leverages PepsiCo scale. And so for each of those capabilities, we looked at, okay, what is it we really need to bring to to the business, to to marketers who want to make an ad or teams that, that are creating innovation ideas or businesses that are looking for ways to 
get a handle on the way demand uh, is developing for their categories in their markets. For each of those capabilities, we said, okay, if this is what we need to bring to the business, let's also decide what we really want to be able to do in-house and what we want to be able to do with external partners. And so for a number of these capabilities, we successfully created global partnerships with external companies that really helped us build a very sharply defined and differentiated capability. And so it all started with the tools, if you want. And in a way, I mean, that work is never done, right? To be to be clear, but uh, I'm now in this role almost five years. I, I think we've made a lot of progress on the tools and that was very challenging and continues to be challenging. But in a way, that's the easy part of the change. Because bringing in the tools and building the new ADA platform, as we call it, that's our digitalized uh, platform that uh, now connects everybody in in the insights function in the company. Building all those capabilities is, is challenging, but changing the behavior of the teams of all those hundreds of people throughout the, the businesses around the world, it's simply more challenging, right? And so making sure that people use the tools to their full potential, that behavior changes. So people, because they can take advantage of a tool, for example, they actually reallocate the time that they have left over to other added value uh, activities uh, that lead to valuable insights for the business. That is the the long t- tail of change, as I call it, that we're now really in the middle of. And and of course, uh, the, the talent agenda is, a, is an important enabler for driving that change. But it's not enough because it is also down to helping the business partners, the marketing leaders and the CMOs in our businesses, uh, helping them to ask different questions and, and new questions and setting new expectations for the insights function. That's a long journey. Maybe to build on that, Stephen. So I think you talked a lot about initially focusing on, on the tools and standardizing the tools. I think you talked about a lot of the people in the insights function not reporting into you. At the same time, what we see in other organizations is that insights craves to be, to have a seat at the table, to really be an equal business partner. Can you talk a little bit about how you made the transition for your insights people to show up differently towards those business partners, towards those marketeers, to, I guess, ask and answer better questions? Yeah, it's a great point. Quite early on, a couple of years, I think now three years ago, we developed what we called Insights the PepsiCo Way. And that is really about the behavior. That's really about, uh, to your question mark, how you show up. I mean, let me start with saying that, of course, there's a couple of table stakes aspects to that. And I think where in the Kantar 2030 study that, that you guys have done, it, it's quite a comprehensive overview of drivers for effective insights functions. But I was looking for maybe being a little less comprehensive, but a lot more simple in terms of the framework that we were trying to drive to help people on a day-to-day basis. So, I mean, at the fundament, uh, you know, if you want to be successful in consumer insights, you have to be a curious person and you have to be you have to have very well-developed, let's call it empathy muscles. That speaks for itself. That is crucial. It's also table stakes. If you don't have any of that, you've got to find other work. What Insights the PepsiCo way really focuses about is three things. It's about being simple, being intentional, and being brave. And um, we chose those three things. I'll, I'll just elaborate a little bit on each of them, but they're pretty self-explanatory, I guess, But or I hope. Be simple is, is there because it is a lot of the added value in today's data-rich environment where everybody, 
not only insights people, but certainly also business leaders and marketers, you know, is faced with a tsunami of data points every single day. And a lot of the added value of an insights manager and leader is to simplify that tsunami down to a set of insights that, that really help with consumer-centric commercial decision-making, as I call it. So being simple is a lot about the added value that you deliver. Being intentional is really about empathy in action. Right? That is really about uh, making sure that you know who you're talking with, making sure that you think through the, what the audience is ahead of the meeting, thinking through what the different needs are of the different people around the, these days, mostly virtual table. Right? So it's really about being intentional about what you're trying to achieve. And again, driving consumer centricity into the commercial decision making, it's not always easy. So you've got to be able to make it simple and then you've got to be intentional in bringing that concise and sharp insight to the right people at the right moment. And then being brave, particularly, I think, in PepsiCo's culture, which is a very, very, very commercially driven, fast on its feet, competitive culture, competitive mostly right in the marketplace. PepsiCo is, the, you know, the beverage business is the perennial number two in the market. So all the books that have been written about the challenger brands, right, I mean, apply. And, and that is very culture defining for the whole of PepsiCo, not only for the beverage business. And so... In an environment like that, if you want to have a seat at the table as an insights person and you really want to make a difference in driving consumer centricity, you sometimes have to throw yourself in front of the bus. So you've got to, you've got to, you've got to be brave. You've got to speak up. You've got to insert yourself. And so between those three, uh, being simple, being intentional, being brave, I think we've hit the nail on the head with, with three really differentiating capabilities that PepsiCo Insights talent needs to bring to the table. So I really like the simplicity of simple, intentional, and brave. I think it distills it into, as you described, really three important components that people can kind of get their heads around. I guess for me, I mean, you know, I'm a professor, I'm an academic, you know, the word simple seems to be, you know, not not in my dictionary, right? I need to be complex and, and think about all these deep things. But of course, the world is complex. And, you know, even if we take PepsiCo as a company, it's a complex global organization with lots and lots of brands. So how, how do you then deal with sort of the, I guess, to me, it sounds like an inherent tension between simplicity or being simple versus the, the, the reality that the market is a complex place. And if we think about insights and consumer decision making and, and needs and wants and so on, then obviously what's going on in the consumer's brain is messy and noisy and complex. So how do you also ensure that your insights leaders and just insights professionals throughout the organization don't take that sort of notion of of the way you describe simplicity as meaning kind of oversimplification of things when you know if you if you oversimplify I would argue you could miss miss some important insights and and nuances and therefore opportunities so so how do you deal with kind of getting people to adopt the kind of the way of thinking yet still having maybe that deeper and uh, deeper broader perspective that's necessary yeah, it's a great call out, Andrew. And there's a couple of components that come to mind of, of my answer. So, but again, let me start, let me start somewhere and maybe we can build on that. I think, well, if you look at PepsiCo, there's roughly 300,000 people that work at, at the company. And I think roughly, I don't know, it's probably fair to say that 95, maybe even more percent of all those people are in jobs whose main responsibility is to make, move, or sell 
our products. And so I, I sometimes I find it useful to think about it as one ginormous almost machine that is a super large machine. Of course it isn't. It's hundreds of little smaller machines, but, but you get the point. It's like vast majority of a company like this is making products, moving them to consumers and, and, and selling them to customers and consumers. That means that there's only a handful, relatively speaking, of people who get paid a salary to think about what is beyond today, what is beyond the making, moving and selling. What we need to do to make sure that five or seven or 13 years from today, those 300,000 people still have a job. How do we make sure that, that we maintain our relevance in the marketplace? What do we need to do to remain competitive? So the, the importance of, of those kind of questions, right? And, 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 and let's not forget, why are all these people buying our products in the first place, right? I mean, why are roughly 1.3 billion times a day, why are people buying and consuming a PepsiCo product? And so really making sure that we understand that why and that we understand what it needs to be competitive from a consumer angle, that is down to a couple of hundred people out of 300,000. But back to your question, Andrew, so the inherent danger of saying, keep it simple, is that you oversimplify. And, and the inherent danger of oversimplifying in an environment that I just laid out is that you just go with the flow, you get sucked into the swamp of the everyday, which is comfortable because everybody is everybody around you is focused on that. That is where then the brave comes in. And that is where the intentional comes in, especially if you get a little bit more senior in roles like consumer insights, but the same would, I would go for parts of the R&D function and parts of, for example, our design function. That's where, where if you get a bit more senior in those roles, you have to be willing to speak up. And as we say in PepsiCo, voice your opinions fearlessly. That is where you have to be able to um, see the bigger picture and simply the absolute necessity. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. For the company to embrace the fact that sometimes you have to really look beyond the, the, the frantic everyday and the urgent pressing issues that, that you're facing now. And maybe building on that step, the role of your team is very much about anticipating the future, taking the time to actually secure the longevity of the organization. I think we're living in, in some crazy times, almost like an era of disruption, starting with a financial crisis through a pandemic, unfortunately, even a war right now with massive unanticipated shifts in consumer behavior. I'm just wondering, building on the, the simple and the brave, 
how has your team helped PepsiCo to maybe anticipate some of those or keep a pulse on those changing consumer behaviors and, and help the organization even respond with, with agility to those things? Two things come to mind, uh, two crucial capabilities. One, one you, you've mentioned the key word agility, right? And that, let me start with that because that's, if, if you want, I think this, the, the simpler one, well, at least simpler in the, in the context of what I, what I shared earlier. I think clearly gone are the days of insights processes being these comfortable, time-consuming, sequential processes of, oh, you came up with an idea, let me test it. And then, oh, we, we go from the test to, well, let's go back to the drawing board and let's think this through and let's do another test down the road. And marketing as it as as I learned it when, when I was at, at uh, Unifer was still a, a lot like that. I can still show you like, innovation project roadmaps that that I actually created as a brand manager that are like three pieces of A4 paper if you fold them out and they start at the top left, the process starts at the top left and at the bottom right, find your product on the shelf in the Walgreens somewhere in the United States. Those days are clearly over. So all the tools that my team deploys and develops are crucial enablers of agile ways of working. So crucial enablers of iterative development of whether it's an ad or, or an innovation. It's all about looking at consumer insights tools, not as tests, but as coaching tools to get to a better outcome. Coaching tools that are fast to work with, that are bloody cheap, so you can use them a lot, and that are really insightful, right? And so so the digitalization of all those tools that enables me to leverage PepsiCo scale to make sure that every tool that we use is the best in the market, the fastest, and often also the cheapest, that helps a lot because it means that when you're developing an ad these days, you can use the ADA tool three times, yeah. Or in, in, instead of having to wait until it's completely done, you have no time left before you need to go on air, and then you do the test, and uh, it's a traffic light. Those days are over. So agility is crucial, not only for simple consumer testing tools, as, as the one I just used as an example, but also for strategy making, because you've got to be super quick on your feet with, with adjusting strategies these days. That's one part of, of my answer to your question, uh, Mark. The other part of the answer is, is about a capability that we now urgently are developing, and, I, and that is a scenario-driven foresight capability. Gone are the days where, where the beginning of a strategic plan would be basically an extrapolation of uh, the growth in the, of the last 10 years, right? Uh, PepsiCo is blessed uh, with the fact that we operate largely in, in two big categories, uh, beverages and, and snacks that are healthily growing, at, certainly at the global perspective. So, but gone are the days where you can say, well, we've grown 2% a year every single year for the last nine years. So guess what? Our plan for next year assumes a growth of roughly 2.2%, right? And that's no longer. But what that means is that, again, in the context of what I shared about what the insight function needs to bring to a ginormous company like, like PepsiCo, we need to own the understanding of, of demand. We need to own the understanding of where demand is heading. And we need to be able to translate that in a meaningful way to to a set of foresights for the company that the company can use basically as inputs for the actual planning. And so 
we've embraced a scenario-driven way of, of developing foresights, and we're building that capability as we speak with, with our key business units around uh, the world, which is almost as a Trojan horse. This is a key reason why I'm so enthusiastic about this capability is almost as a Trojan horse, it, it enables us to really drive consumer centricity much better in that forward planning than ever before. Because there's not a lot of consumer centricity, you know, uh, at play when you're extrapolating uh, rows of data uh, in an Excel spreadsheet, right? You're just saying like, yeah. And so the organization is frankly not even that used to thinking consumer when it comes to mid and long-term planning. These major disruptions that we're facing now and just talking about them from a, from the implications for, for, for a business perspective, provide an opportunity for driving uh, consumer centricity into the commercial decision-making around strategies. So because of all these big disruptions and how then they impact business, you know, one of, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was related to what you're just talking about in terms of sort of foresight and, and really trying to think ahead in all sorts of different scenarios, because that's very different to sort of maybe a more traditional market research and, and, and insight sort of hypothesis testing type of approach. But it also makes me think of the, the Insights 2030 work from Kantar, which I was proud to be part of the advisory board for, which is all about imagination. And that word imagination, you know, pardon the pun, everybody, but really captures the imagination because it, it, it suggests a way of thinking or maybe even a mindset that maybe we don't think of as commonly in insights or, or marketing more broadly. So how does that sit with you um, particularly given what you were just saying around foresight and, and but needing to also be more agile in our thinking and perhaps more creative? It's a great question, Andrew. I, I like to say that um, PepsiCo has an insights function for three reasons, roughly. Three things. Identify, enable, and optimize, I call them. Identify is about identifying the growth opportunities for the brands and the business. Enabling is about enabling world-class marketing and world-class innovation through all sorts of testing and, and, and stuff. And optimizing is about uh, making sure that we optimize the way in which we show up in the marketplace. So we have a whole system of tools and processes and feedback loops so we can quickly respond to changes in market share or channel dynamics or whatever. Identify, enable, and optimize. That's why PepsiCo has an insights function. Now, imagination is really in, for me, that falls into the identify bucket, right? It's like really understanding where the market is heading and what opportunities that provides uh, for our businesses and what opportunities our businesses are maybe not perfectly positioned for today and where we need to think about, you know, whether we need to build a whole new capability or accelerate the, the, the development of an existing capability. So imagination uh, to me is a crucial subset, if you want, of what I describe as identify. Because identify also encompasses looking at today's market and identifying those pockets of consumer needs, consumer need states where we have an opportunity to serve our customers better. If you want imagine, I look at imagination as the, as the slightly further out component of, of, of identifying. I'm just wondering to, to round it up and, and keep it as practical as possible. I think we touched upon a lot of subjects. We're also conscious of the fact that PepsiCo 
is a very large organization that has a lot of opportunities, that has the luxury to say, let's really look for the best in class tool, let's look for the best specialized talent. Imagine that we also have listeners at much smaller organizations or maybe uh, just starting on the journey, uh, reflecting on the last five years. Anything you would say, regardless of the size of the organization, definitely do this. If you have to choose one, two, max three things, but what are the things everybody should be doing? if they want to anticipate consumer behavior better and, and respond with more agility. Yeah, a lot of things come to mind, to, to be honest, because I think uh, scale is, um, scale is of course helpful in many ways, but scale is also a huge, poses also huge challenges, yeah? I spend a ton of my time, and I'm, when I'm saying I, I mean with, with the whole team, you know, there's this Dutch saying, which is about, you know, trying to keep frogs in a wheelbarrow, <laughs> or herding cats, I think the English equivalent is. I spend a ton of time on that. And I, and of course, in smaller organizations, you, you don't have to spend that, as much time on that. But there's a, there's a couple of things that come to mind for me. First of all, I think this, as I like to call it, being clear in the separation of the what and the how, I think is, is really always exceptionally helpful. And the reason I say that is that I think too many insights professionals simply spend too much time discussing methodologies and outsmarting each other with with how to best get the work done. I think there's a, in many organizations, big and small, there are huge opportunities for choosing one methodology to do something and sticking with that. And by doing that, freeing up everybody to focus on increased understanding uh, of the learnings and arguably most importantly, on the deployment of those learnings in, in, in the business. So a strict split between what and how and focus, enable yourself to focus on the how, that I think is, is great. Another point is that, you know, uh, when, I, when I grew up as a marketeer, the, the saying was always like, you can have uh, quality, you can have speed. If, if you take quality, speed and cost, you can always pick two. And I think, uh, but, but you can never have three at the same time. In, in an era of digitalization, I, I think that that is no longer true. Uh, especially if you move from analog ways of working to digitalized leveraged ways of working, you can have better tools that are infinitely faster and cheaper than, than many organizations are currently working with. And, and I think, you know, sometimes, you know, when we when I came to the investment committee in PepsiCo with with the first proposal to to launch our uh, to build our ADA uh, platform, our CFO I, I remember him looking at the proposal. And he said, "Well, Stefan, I've learned that if things look too good to be true to be true, they typically are." And I said, "Yeah, but that was pre-digitalization. I'm sorry. I mean, this is it." And so. There's really no excuse, uh, I, I think, uh, for organizations from any size to work with outdated tools and to work in ways that are not digitally empowered. And the third thing is, uh, I, I would say, and, and, and then I'll leave it at that, but, but I think this, this being simple, being intentional, being brave, and the, what, I, what I labeled the PepsiCo way of, of doing insights, I really think that that is pretty powerful. I see that work a lot, very, very well. And this is not something that, that, that we did a round of training on and then we kind of put it aside. This is an ongoing area of focus for us uh, where we're constantly reminding each other that this is what our work is about and this is the type of talent we need. And this is sometimes we need a bit more of this and a little less of that and, and whatever. This has really become part of our way of talking and working and developing and helping each other, I, that is completely size independent, but it, prov it provides a 
it provides a lot of clarity. You've been listening to Future Proof from Kantar and Said Business School. For all episodes and more information, visit kantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you never miss an episode. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.